I want to talk to you this morning, if you haven't seen already, I know you probably looked at the title and like, Roadblocks to Anger. We're going to talk about anger this morning. We've been talking about the things that distance us in our relationship with God, the things that can limit us in, in, in experiencing a closer relationship with God. But the reality is, is we all deal with anger. Is there anybody here today that has never, ever gotten angry at all in their life? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody never blow their top, lose their cool? yell, get slightly frustrated. Well, there's nobody in this room. And there's nobody, I would, I would venture a guess, watching online in this whole world that's not experienced that because it's part of a, the nature that we were born with. But you see, anger is an emotion, as we'll find out that we have, that is not necessarily bad, but it's how we respond to it. Anger is one of those things that is so prevalent in our world and in our society today, but it's also one of the top things that we say we don't have. Do you, have, do you have any anger in your life? No, not me. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not angry. I'm not. And we deny it. So the truth is, is there's so much going on there that I, I want to unpack some things today. So I'm going to read from Galatians 5, and, uh, and I'll jump over to Matthew in a little while. But um, I want to read from Galatians 5 because it talks about how to walk in the Spirit. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit about the difference between the two. I'll share with you a few roadblocks to anger, and then we'll eventually get to this place of, oh, how, can I, how can I deal with my anger in a healthy way? So I want to just kind of get on the same ground here. Can we all just agree that anger is a real thing and we have to deal with it at some point in our life? Can we, can we all be on that same page? Because if you're here today and you say, I don't get angry, I don't need this, I don't need to hear this, then you're going to miss how to navigate some of those tricky spots in your life that he gives you the answer for. So let me read to you from Galatians 5. Um, just talking about walking in the Spirit. He said in verse 16, I say then walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you don't uh, do the thing that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are, here we go, Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outburst of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Phew, that was a long list, right? He says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as also I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, why do I share that scripture when we're dealing with anger? Because he shows us how to walk in the Spirit, and he says, if you walk in the ways of the world, now you know what that means, all those things that we listed there, it says you have no part of the kingdom of God, but it, you should desire to walk in the Spirit. Now, if you desire to walk in the Spirit and still find yourself at times tripping over some of these, these worldly things, that's normal. The, the, the not normal thing is to not get back up. We all make mistakes, right? We all screw up at times. And that's why the grace, is God, grace of God is there for us in our life. But when it comes to anger, anger is one of those things that, um, I don't know, have you, ever, have you ever come across somebody that you know is angry? You can tell they're mad, they're irritated, frustrated, and you say, what's the matter? And what do they say? nothing, lying through their teeth. You know they're angry. They know they're angry. Everybody in the room knows they're angry, but we've got this kind of a, a, a denial thing going on. When I, when I was younger, I used to be able to lie with the best of them. I mean, I could tell a lie like that, and, 
And, uh, but it's because I was doing all these wrong things and I had to figure out how to get what I wanted without you know, confessing. And I, I, I could just lie with the best of them. And then when Jesus got in my heart, like for real, for real, I, I couldn't lie to save my life. I can't tell, I start to, you know, kind of fib a little bit. People see right through it. I'm not a good liar anymore, to which I say, thank you, Jesus. But the other thing I had when I was young that really I struggled with was anger. Um, You don't hear a lot of people get up and start talking about how they were a good liar as a kid and they had anger and all that stuff, but it was a reality in my life. I I had a, a problem with anger. Our first house, our first, yeah, our first house looked like Swiss cheese because I didn't know how to deal with my anger, so I did it with my fist. Now, I, I'm not a fighter, okay? But when I would deal with all this emotion on the inside, I didn't know what to do, and finally, rah, boom, and I would hit a wall, or I'd hit a door. And so I wasn't proud of that. I was embarrassed by it. But it's not like I thought it out, you know, like, hey, you know, 2.15, I think I'll get mad and punch a wall. No, nobody schedules those things. It just happened, and boom. And I didn't know how to deal with my Anger, I didn't, it was so frustrating, but I started to ask myself, what is anger? And the best way I defined it is this. It's simply a strong feeling of irritation. Now, I, I know that's like, uh, we get that, Pastor. We, we, we know what that is. But in the most simplest form, we can define it as a strong feeling of irritation. It's an emotion that can distort the truth and cloud resolution. How we react is going to either motivate us to resolve the problem or cause us to explode in a negative way, and the choice is always going to be ours. So the question is, is how are you going to navigate through those seasons? What, what does the Word of God say to you and to me about this? You see, unbridled anger is destructive, not only to yourself, but to those that are around you, it's the people that cross your path every day. How many times have we lashed out in anger only to experience later uh, this feeling of regret? Because we blew up at somebody, and now, now we feel embarrassed or we feel bad because we've hurt other people in, in our life, you know? I didn't know how to process anger. I didn't know how to deal with it. And, and the reality is, is if I don't learn that, it drives a wedge. And the enemy will use that. He'll use that to separate you from the presence of God. Anger is how we react when we're irritated by fear, hurt, pain, or something that seems unfair. And it stirs that emotion up. Maybe you feel anger because you were planning on having a, let's say you're going to have a beautiful date night with your, your you know, significant other and you get it all planned out. You haven't been able to go out for a number of weeks. You know, the kids have been all squirrely and it's just been crazy and you've been doing all this virtual school and, you know, all these snow days and finally we get to go out. We've got it planned. And then all of a sudden your kid gets sick or all of a sudden your spouse gets called into work and it irritates you. That, that's normal. But what you do with it is going to determine so many different things. And, and, and many times we allow it because we've got our mindset. This is the way it's supposed to go. And when it doesn't, we get irritated and we let it build into anger. Maybe somebody else got a nice gift and you didn't. It irritates you. Somebody else got a raise and you didn't. It irritates you. Somebody else got a promotion and you didn't. It irritates you. And, and it starts to fester and it becomes, you become angry. But anger is a reaction towards an emotional irritation that's caused by fear, hurt, pain, or or a perceived unfairness. See, these irritations provoke anger, and more often than not, you share your anger with other people. 
we, we just end up doing it. Your day is not ruined by the call into work or the child that's now sick. It's ruined by your irrational response to the disappointment that you're feeling or the irritation that you're experiencing. And anger can be misplaced, uh, and it can be wrong, but a question that kind of hangs out there, at least for me, is this. Is anger always wrong? Is anger always wrong? You don't have to answer me. You can kind of quietly answer in your own, what, what, what do you think? Well, you see, as Christians, we know that the answer to all of our questions can be found in the Bible. But in a heated moment of anger, it's hard to remember exactly how good God would want us to respond. You know what I mean? I know what the Bible has to say about anger, but when somebody ticks me off, I don't say, Jesus, what would you do? You know, that would be the great thing to do. You know, you know hold on, let, let me, I'm, I'm sensing some irritation rising to the surface, so at this moment I'd like to stop and check in with my Lord and my Savior. You know, we don't do that. When somebody irritates me, ding, ding, the bell rings, my, my gloves go up, and we're getting ready to fight, right? And we don't when you're in the middle of a fight, when you're angry, all you're focusing on is simply this. I want to win. I don't even know why I'm fighting. I don't even know what started this. I just want to win at all costs. It doesn't always happen the way that we think it's going to. God knows that we're going to experience anger, and he knows that we all get angry. That's why he sent his son Jesus, to show us how to use anger well. Anger is not always wrong. The Bible answers this question. Jesus got angry. Sometimes people try to explain Jesus being angry in the Bible. It's like likely they're not good with it. You know, oh, we, we, we can't get angry. You know, we're Christians. I know some Christians that get angry. I'm one of them. And it's okay. But what do you do with the anger? So that's where, you know, some people will, will, will say, well, Jesus getting angry was just like a spiritual holiness. Or they'll say, well, it was just some, it's kind of his, his righteousness. No, he just got angry. Jesus, just flat out and simple, got angry. Let me take you to a scripture that we always think about when we think about Jesus being angry. It's up here on the screen. Book of Matthew. It says, Jesus entered the temple, and he drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables, the money changers, and the seats of those who were selling doves. He's chucking them around. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a robber's den. People were using the temple to sell, and there's this money change going on. And that wasn't uncommon, but they were ripping people off. They were using unfair weights and scales, and they were taking advantage of people. And Jesus got angry. Now, we remember this scripture. So Jesus is here now, and he's flipping the house, and not in a way of making it better like we see on TV shows, all right? He's mad. He's throwing tables over and chairs. He is angry because of the wrong that's going on inside of the temple, so how can we read about Jesus spend, uh, upending tables and cracking the whip and claim he never lost his cool? You know, did he sin? Uh, did, did he tell people where they could go? Did, did he, he threaten them? Did he give them the silent treatment? No, none of that. Jesus was just angry, but yet he did not sin. I don't know if the same could be said for me. A lot of times when I get angry, sometimes I cross some lines that maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. But that's when the Holy Spirit has to speak to me about me. And um, you might say, I'm not sure about this anger thing, what Jesus you know, would say about it. Well, let's take a look at another example of Jesus' anger. Jesus, uh, when getting ready to heal a man on the Sabbath in the, in the Bible, it tells us, there were some Pharisees that were waiting around so they could point their bony little finger at Jesus and criticize him. Take a look up here. It's uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 5. Uh, After looking around at them with what? Anger. 
He's not pulling any punches. You don't need Greek thesauruses to say, what, what does he mean by this? He means he was angry. It says, after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. And Jesus says, you guys tick me off. He says, you, you're all religious and you're concerned about the law, but you forgot all about the grace. You forgot all about, all about my love. He says, you missed the whole thing. And that ticks me off. Now, obviously, that's the James Robert translation right there, okay? Uh, he says, I, I'm, I'm angry with you. I'm, ang- I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the sin. I'm angry at the, the thought process. I'm angry at the environment. You try to create your own little religious bubble so you can make it all about you and you forget all about a man who's in pain a man who needs Jesus. So he was angry. See, if you want to hate something, hate sin. God hates sin and we can do the same thing. He loves the sinner, he hates the sin. Anger is not necessarily wrong. In itself, the emotion, it's not either right or wrong, but anger can become wrong when we let the devil or the flesh get a hold of it. Remember that the enemy... (coughs) Excuse me, the enemy of our soul would love nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. And whenever he gets a chance, he will ignite that nerve of anger in our life. Anger in and of itself is not wrong. There's nothing bad with the emotion of anger. As a matter of fact, if we didn't have it, life, it, God gave us emotions as a gift. He gave us the ability to be afraid. Really? I don't like to be afraid. Well, it's the same sense that when you're walking at home at dark and there's that alley and you go, I don't think I should walk down that alley. You know, you get that emotion, you get that feeling. How about joy? Do you guys like to be joyful? You know, how, how, how many sadness is there? And he says, anger is one of the emotions. He says, all these emotions I give to you as a gift. It's not that, I, I would not want to pray for you, Jesus, I pray that we would never feel anger again in the name of Jesus. No. We need that emotion to tell us when an injustice is done or something is not right. But we need his help in understanding how to navigate it because sometimes we in the flesh take it too far or the enemy jumps on board and we start letting it become something that becomes destructive. You see, if you took all these emotions and you removed them from your life, your life would be pretty boring. Your life would be pretty bland. And that's why we got to understand anger. The emotion we feel or experience is not bad. It's how we react to situations, to crisis, to circumstances, That's what makes the difference. So how can we become better so we're not dictated by the emotion of the Spirit of God? Let me take you back to Galatians when it talked about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to pick on the one because it said, you know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I'm going to get down to one, self-control. You know, there's a lot of good stuff to be said there, but I'm just going to hang out with that. He says, learn what it means to have self-control. Self-control is when the Holy Spirit gives me, gives you the ability to bring your body, your, 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 uh, body, soul, and spirit, you know, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions, you bring that under the Lord's control. That's what it means to have self-control. Lord, I'm taking every thought, feeling, emotion, and I'm coming to you, and I'm submitting that to you. Instead of emotions taking over, we're, we're going to experience self-control. We say, Lord, I'm giving that to you. I don't want to be led by, emotion, by my emotions. I want to be led by your Holy Spirit. Did you know that anger, if not controlled, can destroy you from the inside out? Uh, Check this out. Harvard psychologist said a person cannot get sick without some stress being involved. Buried emotions of fear and anger are prevalent stress factors present in illnesses. Another doctor, Carl Simonton, said the first trait at the root of cancer is the tendency to hold resentment 
Quite often, he said, I've seen a remission or a backing away of the disease when a person begins to deal effectively with buried fear, anger, and resentment. And I went, wow, that's pretty powerful. If you want to stay healthy, learn to deal with anger effectively. A Duke University research group found that anger produced a two to five times higher death rate than smoking. Talk about a surgeon's general warning. We need to have that on our life. And anger can destroy you from the inside out. It can destroy relationships with others and even with God. Anger in itself is just merely an emotional release. But what you do with it can kill. It can destroy. We know that anger is real when we face, when we face this. And, but we also know this. The Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? So why is it that we seem to keep getting derailed by anger? I'm going to give you three roadblocks, and then I'm going to jump into what we can do about it. One of the roadblocks is this. Write down number one, ego. One of the roadblocks to dealing with anger is ego. It's, one of the, it's hard for us to not, it, uh, it's hard for us to be honest and admit when we're wrong. Um, it can become very difficult uh, to just be honest about this. We, we have this inordinate need to be right all the time. However, if we persist in being right all the time, it's going to require so much energy from us that we're going we're gonna to experience a tremendous amount of stress. There was a sign on a counselor's wall that hung and said this, would you rather be right or would you rather be well? The choice is yours. See, we always look at it as wrong or right, but instead maybe it's about being healthy. But sometimes we have such a need to justify that we'll go to any lengths, you know, to prove that we're right. And sometimes as Christians, we feel like we've got to be right all the time because to be right means that we're successful. It means that it's proof that God is with us. And that's not true. God is with you no matter what. He's there all the time. But actually, did you know that most of us are probably going to fail more than we're going to succeed? I know some of you are like, nice sermon, Pastor. You're really encouraging my heart. But what I'm trying to get to is simply this. There is going to be times in life when you find that you may fail more than you succeed, but that does not define who you are. You're not a failure, but the person that never tries, the person that never goes out there and attempts anything, that becomes more of a failure. <clears throat> Someone once said, to lose is to learn. Some of us just don't want to experience loss because it hurts or it's too painful. But it's in those, those moments where when we lose, we learn the most. Let me bring it back to the Bible and explain what I mean. Let's take a look at Peter, okay? Peter, the gospel accounts show us a man who is constantly blowing it. You know, Peter was just, boom. You know, he'd go from zero to 10. And he would just get mad, he'd get angry. It seemed like, it appeared to many that Peter failed all the time. Uh, but though Peter failed, he himself was not a failure. You see, we look at the Bible and we talk about somebody like Peter and these people who are heroes of the faith. They failed time after time after time until they finally got some things right. And we look at them and say they're heroes of the faith, but they probably didn't feel like heroes. They kept thinking, man, I keep tripping over this thing. I keep messing up. I keep screwing it up. I keep making the same mistake. I thought I heard the Lord. Maybe it wasn't the Lord. Maybe it was. I don't know. And they're all over the place. But you see, they didn't let it stop them. And they also didn't let it define them. 
Peter was all over the place. Proof that Peter had become successful in God's eyes was not in his perfection, but in his freedom from having to justify his mistakes when he made them. If Peter, in all his imperfections, became a cornerstone of the church, then how much more should we, you and me, as the church, be free from the need to cover up ourselves? Ego. we got to let go of our ego. Here's roadblock number two. Write down blaming others. This is a big one. We, we, we do often. When, when we're faced with or challenged, called on the carpet, we tend to want to blame others all of the time. I, I don't know why I thought of it, but I remembered uh, back when my kids were younger, middle school and all that, I took Seth and Dre out of Burger King, and we got our food, and we had our straws and our drinks, and we're heading to the table, and one of the straws fell. I, I must have dropped it because my son, without a second of hesitation, blamed me, right? And the straw hits it, and he picks it up and he goes, I'm going to use it, but if I get sick, it's on you. It's your fault. And I just kind of like, you know, shut up, kid, eat your food. And, <laughs> but he was quick to blame, right? And we laughed about it. We are just having fun and all that. But, but many times we can be the same way, quick to blame. Well, it, I can't help it. It was my upbringing. It was my nationality. It was my mother, my spouse, my society. It was my church. It's because people don't help me. And we try to convince ourselves that we don't really have any problems that need to be resolved. If only people, others, would change, everything would be all right. Everything would be fine. It's no wonder healing doesn't happen for us because we don't need healing. Everybody else does. We blame everybody else. Here's a quote that came from a woman named Sister um, Elizabeth, and I love this quote. She says, anyone who angers you conquers you. Anyone who angers you, they've won. They conquer you. One psychologist went so far as to say this, little harsh, but he said it, many people who come to my counsel, uh, counseling office, the ones that I label as hopeless are the ones that blame other people for all their failures. He says, when, when people start blaming others all the time and never taking responsibility for themselves, he said, those are the ones that are unable to, to grow. They're unable to become healthier. You see, it's a matter of taking responsibility for problems and not blaming other people when things go wrong. And it's only when we can come to, come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm the one that needs help. I've made mistakes. I need your healing. Those are the ones that have hope. Because they stopped blaming others and started taking responsibility. And when we repent, he'll never come at us with condemnation. He'll always bring quick forgiveness and sure healing. Here's roadblock number three. Write down self-pity. <coughs> self-pity. Self-pity is a self-inflicting wound. Nobody slices you with self-pity. You do that to yourself. Self-pity is buying into the lie that comes straight from the pit of hell because self-pity is a bottomless pit. Um, it's when you find yourself, if you find yourself in the midst of this pity party, oh, woe is me, nothing ever goes right, you know, there must be something wrong, get out of that mindset quick. Be quick to get out of that. Begin to see yourself as God sees you. You are valuable. You have unique qualities and abilities that nobody else has. You have been placed in this world for a special work in the body of Christ. How many of you within the last week thought about your liver? Anybody? You know, pastor, it's fun you bring that up. The other day I was just thinking, liver, how are you doing down there? No, nobody does that. We don't think about our liver, but we need our liver to survive. Anyone here think your kidneys in the last couple weeks? Kidneys, hey, they're feeling pretty good, man. 
It's got a, you know, nobody does that. But kidneys are necessary for the body to function, right? Am I right? Okay. We don't think about them much, talk about them much, know much about them except the fact that we need them in order so that we can survive. So when Christians say, I'm not good for anything, I'm a nobody, you literally are slapping the face of the one who created you. He disagrees. God felt that you and I were so valuable that he gave his whole life to come down here, shed all of his blood, and died for you and for me. Don't give in to self-pity. Don't listen to what others say about you. Don't listen to what the enemy says about you. Listen to what God says about you. You see, there's two areas where we are really bad at um, dealing with anger. And, and I'll give them to you real quick. They're in your outline. One of them is venting, okay? Now, venting's not bad. <coughs> Excuse me. It's good to have somebody to talk to. But I'm talking about when you go and you just open up the fire hose and let everything, you know, you just start cursing and cussing and fussing and fighting and you're letting it all come out and you haven't even warned a brother, you know, you just, boom, you hit him with all these words. Now you can deal with anger by venting like that, but when it just flows out like that, it's destructive. See, we like to vent and just, boom, blow, blow up at somebody because it gives us this momentary release, but at the cost of who? Who is it you're talking to that has just been blasted with all of this? You may blow up, but the problem is your wife or your husband or whoever it is that you just spewed out all of your rage is lying in a pool of emotional blood right now. You feel better, but they need to be taken to the emergency room because you just blew up all over them. You may be over it, but you destroyed somebody else. So venting may feel good, but it devastates others. Others. The other way we deal with it, that's not a good way. This is, I couldn't think of a better word. There's nothing philosophical or theological, but write down the word stuffing, okay? And what I mean by that is when we stuff things down, when we, we you know, there's self-control, and I'll explain the difference here, but when you get angry and you take that and you just stuff that down there thinking you're micromanaging it well, it's gonna come back up. It's like whack-a-mole. It starts popping out in other places, and you keep trying to cover it up. It is not going to end well. Some people call this self-control. However, self-control is very different from stuffing things down. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Stuffing it down and pushing that anger deeper down inside, that's not going to help. Self-control is holding your anger in a mental holding tank so that you can have time to think about it objectively before responding. That's self-control. When you're just stuffing anger down, not resolving it, not wanting to look for it again, what you're doing is hiding it in a mental closet, letting it fester and rot, and it will pop up again. It's amazing to me how many times we think that we, you know, when we get angry, and in your notes I had the word malice there, malice when you become full of malice, malice is like drinking one half of, the, of, of its own poison. We get angry with people, and it poisons others. It poisons ourself. Stuffing and suppressing anger is not an option. It may work for a little while, but in the long run, it's going to destroy you. So what works? What works? I want to give you just five things that I, I pulled out that we can apply in our life right now today. If you're here today, and you've had an issue with anger, you're like, Pastor, I identify with the whole anger, putting holes in the wall, not knowing, knowing how to deal with it. Some people try to answer the thing about anger by, uh, there, there's so many things, I don't have time. But whenever you try to do it through alcohol, 
extramarital affairs, emotional affairs, whenever you try to do it by smoking this or that or taking a drink, that's never going to bring resolution or answer in your life. So what do we have to do when we're trying to manage anger? How do we deal with it? Number one, write this down. Report feelings of anger one by one. Now, I know when I say that, you're like, that's not very deep. It's not very, you know, intense. It shouldn't be. It should be very simple. Our feelings of, (coughs) excuse me, of emotional irritation need to be expressed in some way, but it's so important to do it well. When you are angry, you have to learn to communicate that in a healthy way, and you must express that one by one. They need to be expressed in ways that will resolve anger and not hurt someone else. That's why Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and, and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. We need to learn to share feelings with someone. And you might be here today and say, oh, that's, that's, you got me there. You know, I don't, I don't want to go talking. I don't want to go. I, I don't want people digging around and dredging up things and complicating things. But you've got to make a choice to share because if you hide that and you expect people to read your mind, it's not going to happen. You see, not, not just any, you got to share with somebody, not just anybody off the street. That's why God gave you pastors, elders, counselors, the therapist, friends, whatever that is. That's why he gave you peop- those people into your life. But it's important to learn to share with each other. If I share with my wife what makes me angry, then she begins to share in my value system. The things that make me angry tell her what I value. Um, and when she shares with me what angers her, th- then without condemnation and without accusation, I begin to share her value system. So be careful about what and how you express it because we get angry with one another because we value something that others don't. That's why we get angry with those people. They don't value what we value. Have you shared with them one by one what you think is important? You know, another thing to remember is this too, and I, I, it's, it goes without saying, but some people don't know you're angry unless you tell them, right? I mean, think about it. Have you ever been angry at somebody? And you're just mad as a hornet, and you think everybody can see it, but the person you're mad at doesn't get it. And they're walking in like, hey, how you doing? And they're just grinning and having a good old day. And that ticks you off even more. So you're going to make them pay more, right? See, you got to be able to tell people, because sometimes people don't know you're angry unless you tell them. Let me give you an example. <laughs> this is a completely made-up story. I'm going to use Lisa and I, so. But let's say that uh, I walk into the kitchen, uh, and I want to help my wife. I want to be helpful. So I decide that I'm going to put some things away. And one of the things I notice is that there's an onion that needs to be put away. It's been cut in half. So I grab that half of the onion and I stick it in the fridge. Without wrapping it, I just stick it in the fridge and shut the door because I want to help my wife out. The problem is, is that onion that sits in the refrigerator starts to permeate all the other food that's in the refrigerator and it starts to stink things up. So Lisa, let's say, goes to the fridge, opens the door, says, oh my gosh, and she sees the onion, she smells the onion, and she says, what kind of an idiot puts an unwrapped onion in the fridge? Now notice when anger starts to rise, the niceties go out the window, right? She did not do this. This is an illustration, just making sure I'm clear on this. So let's say later that night, I go, we, we go to bed, and I open the window because I, I like it uh, cold when I sleep, let's say. Um, but, but, you know, she likes it warm. So I go to sleep because it's nice and cool in the room, but she's laying over there freezing to death, shivering, giving me the death stare because she's angry at me, but doesn't 
say anything. So the next morning I wake up and she just glares at me, right? She gives me the look as I start my day off, but I, I don't know that she's angry or what she's angry about. So later that day I come home and I throw my shoes in the corner. And my wife comes home and sees the shoes that are in the corner and she silently puts them away from me. But at this point, she's really starting to get angry, okay? And she goes into the kitchen and she opens the fridge only to find another unwrapped onion, let's say. This, let's say this goes on night after night after night. Let's say it even goes on year after year until one day she comes in, opens that refrigerator door and explodes. That's it. I've had enough of this, she screams, and unleashes a torrent of past infractions that include everything from onions to shoes to open windows to anything else that she can think of. Meanwhile, I don't even know what's going on around here. And she says, you couldn't care less about me. You wouldn't pick up anything or do anything. And I'm completely ignorant to this whole thing of her being angry. And I, without any thought to it, say, it was just an onion. Calm down. Trying to fix it. Now, that's a silly illustration, but it's played out in many homes, many days, day after day after day. Because nobody communicates or talks or reports what's valuable to them. They never share when they're angry at somebody. Well, I'm afraid if I share, then it's just going to start a fight. Well, how did this work out for you? Did it work out any better? You see, it's not just about an onion. It's about five years of onions. Here's what should have happened the first time I put the onion in the refrigerator without it being wrapped. Lisa should have come to me and nicely said, honey, by the way, you look good. She would say that, okay? And uh, you need to wrap the onion because if you don't wrap the onion, it wrecks the other food and it makes me angry. You know, if she said that, I'd be like, huh, okay. I can understand that. I get that. That's simple. I can do that. I now share her value system. And I'm so glad that she reported it to me in a way that did not condemn me. What's the moral of that whole story? Uh, the moral of the whole story is that you have to report feelings of anger, but make sure it's done one by one. Don't report all 500 at once, right? That's what we tend to do. We let them build up. and Don't unload 500. We have to handle them one at a time. It's also important that you share your values with one another so that you can be sensitive to one another's feelings and not irritate one another. Matthew 18 says, if your brother sins against you, go show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won a brother. Some of you may say, I, I, I can't do that because I'm afraid that it's just going to make it worse. I'm afraid they're going to get mad. Then you have to take it to Jesus and lay it at his feet. You have to, you have to get, take it to the person that's irritating you or take it to Jesus, but you have to lay it at their feet and you have to let it go. That means that you can't pick it out of the stink pile later and beat, beat somebody over the head with it. You, you, you leave it with the person or you leave it with, with Jesus, one of the two, but you got to do those one by one. Here's number two, how to help deal with this anger in a healthy way. Think through options. Think through options. There's a Chinese proverb that says, if you are patient in a moment of anger, you will escape 100 days of sorrow. Make sure that you always have options. So often we plan things one certain way, don't we? This is what we're going to do. This is what my day is going to look like. This is how it's going to play out. And then when somebody throws a wrench in that, it really messes you up. It's not that you're not flexible. It's not that you can't move around. It's just, I wanted it this way. And now you're messing with me. And you're irritated. There's nothing wrong with that, but when you let that emotion of irritation build into anger, 
Now it becomes a problem. Now it becomes a problem. I'm not saying don't be angry. I'm saying think through some more options. For example, let's say that I go to the refrigerator again. Notice I'm going to the fridge a lot in my illustrations. It's getting close to lunch. So I go to the fridge. I like Diet Mountain Dew, okay? I know not many people do. It's like carbonated yellow water is really all it is, but I'm okay with that. I like Diet Mountain Dew. Let's say I go to the fridge because I want a Diet Mountain Dew, and I find that there's no Diet Mountain Dews in the fridge. They're gone. It's empty. So I have a few options. Option number one, I can yell at my wife for not picking up more soda at the store. Option number two, I can drink cold water or orange juice instead. Option number three, I can go to the store and get it myself, right? Uh, Option number four, I can forget the whole thing. And if I go with the first option, there's a good chance that we're going to have an argument and someone is going to end up hurt. On the other hand, (coughs) if I go with any other option, I automatically diffuse a potentially bad situation. You know, if you look at the bad, at the bad times, uh, the times you've gotten the angriest, you will probably agree it was because you ran out of options. I was going to do this, and then somebody screwed with it, and now it's all, it's all a mess. What, what are your options? I, I don't, options, I don't have options. You got to have options. You got to learn to be flexible and fluid and work with that. How do I do that? You start asking questions like this. Okay, this is my plan. This is my day, but it's not all about me. So what, what would happen if... You know, or you could ask the question, what can I do to diffuse this emotional charge? You know, I planned the day this way. It isn't going this way. So what now? How do I navigate it? The Holy Spirit will speak to you. Doing this can save you years of anguish and fallout. It may even save a marriage. Who knows? But you got to be able to have options. Number three, how to keep a deal with anger in a healthy way. Keep a sense of humor. Keep a sense of humor. How many of you here would rather laugh than cry your way through life? You know, I'm not going to ask the other way around because there are some people that like crying more than laughing. I don't get it. I don't understand all the drama, but have a sense of humor. Life is not going to always go your way. It's not always going to, to, to just be perfect in your world, you know. So one of the things we got to do is keep a good sense of humor. It's one of the easiest and happiest ways to survive because there will be moments in life where you're going to either want to laugh or cry. It's just going to end up that way. Laughing is the more enjoyable option. Proverbs tells us this, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit, man, it just dries up the bones. Yeah, it was years ago, but we were uh, we, I don't even know what we were doing. I asked Lisa this morning about this illustration. I said, what were we even doing? She's like, I don't know. But we were in our microwave. We were trying to heat something up. I don't know if it was like a rice pack for the kids because they had hurt themselves, if it was some food. But for some reason, we took a towel. It might have been a damp towel. I don't remember. I don't think it was damp, but it, it, when we got done with it, it wasn't a towel. So it doesn't matter. So we put a towel over this thing, and I had just come into the kitchen, and the microwave started tripping out and doing some weird stuff. And before you know it, smoke and they open the door, and this towel's on fire. It's in our house, on fire, and they're all looking at me. And I saw that there was a couple corners I could grab. You know, reaching for fire is not, you know, the first thing that you th- should think of. But I'm like, I think I can get out real quick. I grab it. I take it outside. I throw it down. We stomp it out or whatever we did. And I remember looking back into the kitchen, and my kids are like, you know, it's big eyes. And my wife's looking at me with big eyes. And it was a moment where it's like, where is this going to go? And I could have... I could have yelled at my wife and my kids, you know, what do you guys think you're doing? You're trying to burn down the house. Do you know how hard I work? I could have sounded like a crotchety old fart, right? 
But what I did was, is I looked back at them and I couldn't think of anything but laughing. So I started laughing. And when I started laughing, Lisa started laughing. And when Lisa started laughing, the kids started nervous laughing. You know what I mean? They're like, ah, ah, what's mom and dad doing right now? You know, I don't, what's going on around here? You know, but we had a choice. You know, something silly happened. It had the potential of bringing some destruction. What are we going to do? Sometimes you just got to laugh at the things that go on in your, in your life. We didn't know what to do. Uh, I thought laughter was the best option, and because we could laugh at it, it helped prevent any anger that could have further devastated the situation. Uh, don't let frustration at an event or a situation turn to anger at a person. If you're angry with a person, tell them you're angry with them, but tell them why you're angry. But if you're angry at something else that happened, don't bring that home and beat them over the head with it. You've got to make sure that you understand that sometimes they may be the person that can help walk you through this. And sometimes it's just going to require a sense of humor. Here's number four, how to deal with it in a healthy way. Don't, uh, do not use ultimatums. Do not, when you're angry, do not use ultimatums. Why? Because what happens is when you use an ultimatum, it paints you in a corner. It puts you in the corner, the one giving the ultimatum. For example, you say something like this, if you do this, then I'm going to do this. And now you have to stick to that because you just threw down an ultimatum. Uh, a group of people were talking with, uh, with a group of teenagers that ran away from home, and they asked them, why did you run away? And there was one common thing that was amongst all of them. They said this, I didn't have a choice. And they said, uh, my father told me to get out. And they said, hold on, what do you mean, they asked. And their answer was the same. They said that if I can't shape up, I better get out. And I knew I couldn't shape up, so I didn't have an option. Like he said, I got out. How many times have we heard ultimatums, or maybe have given them, that sound like, if you don't like the way that I cook, then cook yourself. If you don't like it, then go find someone else or something else. If you don't like the way things are done around here, then don't let the door hit you on the way out, right? We give these ultimatums. But as soon as you say something like that, you just painted yourself into a corner. You set yourself against your own hearts. And now you feel like you have to follow through. Avoid making ultimatums. And the last one is simply this. Know who your real enemy is. When you're dealing with anger, know who your real enemy is. Sure, there's people that will anger you. There's people that will upset you. But look at the big picture and make sure you know who your real enemy is. Ephesians 6.12 says that we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness <laughs> in heavenly places. Your enemy is not always another person. Your enemy is the devil, ultimately. Don't let him lie and deceive you so that you, you put a target on somebody else's back. As soon as you start throwing barbs at somebody else, as soon as you start throwing spears at somebody else, Satan just sits back and laughs because he's watching you do his work. Remember who your real enemy is. Matthew says, therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar. Go, be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Ephesians 4.26. A lot of times we forget the last part of this verse. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Here's the last part we ignore a lot. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him an opportunity. Remember who your real enemy is. 
When you know it's Satan, then you and your friends, your roommate, your spouse, your dad, your mother, your loved ones, your friends, your barber, you, you name it. You can now be all be on the same team. Because my real enemy is not necessarily the person that I'm looking at, whether that's a physical person or the mirror. The real enemy is the devil. And when you know that, then you can all be on the same team. And then when you go through the fire with other people, not against others, but with them, then that's the kind of fire that welds you together. Let me close with this verse, just a reminder what God's called us as sons and daughters to do. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, love's the goal. Anger will get in the way and separate you from the greatest thing God desires for us, love. And so my prayer for you today is simply this. If you're here today and you've been dealing with anger, you've been, I've been dealing with it my whole life, Pastor. Well, I want to give you something that has handles on it, tools that you can use to navigate those seasons. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I, I, I never get angry. Well, we're going to talk about lying next week then, okay? Because everybody deals with anger. We're not really, I'm just saying that. But my prayer today is simply this. Anger is just part of an emotion but if we don't steward it well, it can destroy. And I, I, want, I want us to have healthy relationships, as healthy as we can. I want to be able to just be in the presence of God. There's times when I've gone into the presence of God and I've said, Jesus, I love you. I just want more of you. And now, he, he didn't say it this way, but you know how God speaks to you the way that you can hear him? And it's almost as if God went, eh, hold on. I'm like, what? We've got to take care of something first. You need to do, and there's something, maybe I, maybe I needed to forgive somebody. Maybe I, I, I messed up. Maybe there's a, a wrong choice I've made. And it's almost as if the Holy Spirit goes, you need to make this right so that we can commune. You know what I mean? Hang, so we can hang. Because Jesus doesn't hang with gray. He doesn't hang, he, he doesn't hang with sin. He doesn't hang with all. And so there's times when I come and I say, Jesus, I'm here. I just want to see more of you. And he goes, whoa, whoa, hold on, Tiger. Why don't you take care of this? Me? <laughs> what did I do? You know, I can get angry. Or I can say, Lord, what is it? Show me. And when he shows me, then all of a sudden I say, He's just looking for obedience. And I go and I take care of it. And I experience that love. I experience what he, and the way he designed those relationships to be. So I want to pray for you as we close and as we leave. That God will show you throughout your week, those areas when irritation comes, anger. Do something about it. Use one of these tools. Use all of the tools. And watch how God will turn things around for you. Jesus, I thank you that you love us so much, that you have a grace that covers everything in our life. Lord, we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't purchase it. But Lord, you give it anyway, and that blows my mind. But I'm so thankful that you love us so much. Jesus, the emotions that you give us, yes, they are gifts from above, but there's times when we've allowed them to become weapons instead of tools. Forgive us, Jesus. Lord, there's times when the enemy's gotten in there and we didn't even know it. Lord, give us eyes that are wise to see when the enemy is creeping in there because greater is he that's within us than anything else in this world. So Lord, we speak Jesus to every one of those areas in our life where we struggle and deal with anger. And we ask that you continue to cause us to grow from the inside out to become healthier and stronger in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.